Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott. Physically distancing, as always. Hello, Scott. Hey, Sean. You are back. Yep, I'm back uh, in the land of COVID. I had a delightful little break being, you know, away from the hardest hit places. Uh, saw a lot of good friends, had a good visits with uh, quite a few people, and uh, yeah, feel mentally recharged and rejuvenated. Well, good. That's uh, good to hear. You got back on Monday night, a day earlier than anticipated. Scott, of course, flying from Vancouver to Toronto en route to Ottawa. You had a bit of celebrity sighting, Scott. Yeah, yeah. As we were getting off the plane, I saw uh, Brent Lang and and Tim March from Team Epping. Yes. Whoa, whoa, cool. I, I should talk to them about how they did this week, but I, then I realized I, I didn't know. <laughs> uh, and also who likes to be bothered at the airport, right? Well, especially um, in, in these times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, everybody wearing masks on the plane. I felt very safe uh, overall on the airplanes. So, Yeah, but like in, in normal times, you don't want people coming up to you in the airport. Now it's even just exponentially more. Just yeah. stay away. Yeah, like get out of here. Who's this weirdo? Yeah, uh, I looked at myself in the mirror. Uh, I, I saw you briefly on Monday night as I stopped by uh, to, to get some keys. And I looked at myself in the mirror the next day and was like, uh-huh. oh my God, I look I look so haggard. Like my beard <laughs> is really long. I haven't shaved underneath in a long time. My hair is uh, famously like I don't have any hair, but the hair I do have is very long right now. Okay. <laughs> like oof. you've been back for two days. Yeah, yeah, but I never cut my hair. Uh, I haven't had time, Sean. I'm a busy man. <laughs> busy guy. Well, you take a week off, you get end up being really busy the next week. So Sure, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, so maybe I'll do that uh, later tonight as some self-care. But, uh, oof, boy, I looked rough. So I, I, couldn't, <laughs> I can't imagine, like, me in that state going up uh, to these guys being like, how'd you do, how'd you do it curling this weekend? Right, like right. Unique. And now, you know, especially knowing how they did, they probably wouldn't want to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so let's get into the event in Vernon. Scott, you watched some of it. Or I, I said Vernon because you told me Vernon, but it's not actually Vernon, right? Yeah, it was Penticton. Penticton. So this is, I think, the biggest event we've had in Canada so far this year. Either men's or women's. Just the, the total strength of this field was was really good. You had teams coming from Ontario and Alberta, and I don't think anyone from Saskatchewan went. We'll get to the Saskatchewan event in a minute. But this, Mm -hmm. I think, overall strongest field that we have seen so far out there in Penticton, and you watched some of it. So what was your takeaway? This is something that we care about a lot on this show is the quality of live streams. And on the scale of Northern Ontario Provincials, to Saskatchewan provincials, where did this particular live stream land? Uh, for me, it landed just just uh, maybe a notch below those Saskatchewan provincials, uh, and only because one time the player mics weren't working. Uh, but okay. 
a, a lot of the streaming that I watched was actually the um, the Brad Jacobs team and their sort of produced streams yeah. uh, for, for Curling Zone. So it was via the Curling Zone YouTube page. Uh, they were also available on the Jacobs team uh, uh, Facebook page. And I think the Kevin Cooey team also had some of their streaming stuff available for, for their, uh, their games. And to be honest, the, the commentary was quite good. I, I saw two games. One was Al uh, along with Cullen, the curler, John Cullen yeah. uh, doing, doing the game. That was pretty good. Uh, John sort of led it, you know, and Al chimed in when, when uh, he felt like it, but uh, overall, like it was a really great, uh, great work by them. That was when the mics were sort of not working. And uh, so they had to talk a little bit more to, you know, try to explain what was going on. Uh, I think they did a really good job with that. There was an, another commentating duo uh, for the other game I watched, which was again, uh, which was again, Brad Jacobs, I think his game against, uh, Jason Montgomery. So, uh, it was, yeah, it was really good. Uh, I can't say much more than that. Uh, I enjoyed watching the streams. The, the final is on YouTube. Uh, you can link to it through the curling zone website. So, uh, as I, as I think most other of the broadcasts are available on that uh, curling zone YouTube page. Yeah. So I want to just shout out curling zone. Great addition and I don't know if this was the first weekend of it, but on their scores page now, so if you go to Curling Zone, on the left-hand side, there's all the scores. Anything that is on YouTube, or at least anything that's on YouTube that they know about, is linked straight from there. So you can just see, oh, this game's on YouTube. If it's going on live, you can click on it. Or if it's over, you can click on it, and it'll take you to the the stream as Mm -hmm. it's been archived. So really great addition to the Curling Zone website. So... uh, many props to whoever decided to do that and figure that out. I didn't see much of the Scott. I will say though, my favorite thing that I saw was the end of the botcher Howard game in the semifinal where Glenn Howard wins on a measure and they measure it and it's Glenn Howard measuring it. And they do the measure. They pick up the stick. The commentators don't know who won. And I don't, I don't know who was calling this game, but they have my complete and utmost respect for all time because they stand there for a while. Dave Mathers sort of stands over the rocks and looks at them. And then someone says, yeah, one red. So Howard wins. And then one of the women who is on the the call just goes team Howard wins (laughs) with just with a a perfect level of this is the information and I want to leave now. I felt it was just, it was an amazing statement that made me laugh uh, so much. I thought it was brilliant and very well done. And I was very appreciative of it. So uh, I was very happy to see that clip when it came across. But overall on the event, we do have a Mike McEwen win in this field. He beats the aforementioned Glenn Howard in the final. Really strong playoff field. I'm just going to run down some of the teams who were in the playoffs of this event. Brad Jacobs, Tyler Tardy, Steve Laycock, John Epping, Karsten Sturmey, Glenn Howard, Botcher, McEwen, obviously, and Kevin Cooey. Uh, some other teams were in the playoffs. But that that's a pretty loaded field right there for this event. And not 
too many top men's teams in the country missing from this field. Yeah, I'd say the big one would be Brad Gushu. Uh, but otherwise, you're right. A, a really, really strong field. Uh, also, Sean Gill from BC, who's represented them at the Briar before. Uh, Neil Dangerfield, I talked about maybe before we got on. Uh, former BC finalist. Uh, Cameron DeYoung, BC junior champion. Jason Montgomery, also a, a BC finalist a couple years ago. So overall, like a, a very strong field. 16 teams. Uh, great organization to pull it off. And uh, yeah, we got some like really good curling and really good uh, curling to watch for, for probably the first time all year. Yeah, I think so. For me, one of the things that stands out here is Tyler Tardy making the playoffs, but also getting a win over Brad Jacobs in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, the we'll, more... call the, we'll call it the tiebreaker. Sure. Yeah. But there was a lot of them. There were a lot of tiebreakers, yeah. Because, so, uh, you know, it's the same system as the Grand Slams, right? With right. just a couple extra teams. So, yeah, a lot of tiebreakers. But you're right. Uh, Tyler Tardy beating uh, Brad Jacobs. I th- think that is the second game they they beat them uh, during the event. Let me check out. Yeah, that, so Tyler Tardy beat Brad Jacobs 5-3 uh, to three in the first game of the event on Thursday. And that was the game I watched, uh, one of the games I watched too. So yeah, two wins over a very good team for the young Tardy team must be feeling pretty good at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And the more wins that they can stack up against teams like that, the better they're going to be long-term, obviously, Mm -hmm. and playing in these types of events. I mean, this is why they forewent their year of junior last year is to get games like this and uh, continue to improve. And so a great result for them. And if we get a BC provincial, I'll be very interested to see how it plays out between Tardy and, and Laycock. And mm-hmm. I know there will be other teams there, but that, that'll be the focus is if we get that final again, which is what we got last year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Sean, I wanted to, yeah. uh, I wanted to tell you that I made a mistake because oh, no. it wasn't Tim March that I saw because he was busy playing in the final, right? So it was somebody else. I, uh, I'm not sure exactly who off the top of <laughs> I thought that's who it was because they were together. But uh, Okay, but it wasn't Tim March. Yeah, of course. So well, it, didn't, maybe... it didn't look like Matt Cam. It might have been Matt Cam, but anyway. Okay. And Fry is very distinct. Yeah. I, well, I would have thought... You're not going to mistake Fry for many people. I would have thought if it was Matt Cam, I would have thought he was taller, but... Maybe he's uh, not as tall as I thought he was. I don't think Matt, Cam, Matt Cam's super tall. Okay, so maybe it was him then. And he like, and March have like the same hair, right? Don't they both have dark hair? Yeah, dark, and, hair? and he was wearing a hat too, so. Right. <laughs> or it could have just been some guy. Yeah, with a bunch some of guy curling, who Lang knew. Yeah. Cur- curling branded uh, shirts. Anyway. Well, they're very popular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Game of Stones pod.com merch (laughs) uh, for instance Um, one of the teams that was not there it was of course uh, Matt Dunstone who we didn't mention earlier they were playing in an event in Prince Albert that they won beat Cody Hartung in the final in that event so a couple wins for Matt Dunstone on that Saskatchewan tour that they've set up there Obviously, the team to beat in Saskatchewan this year and probably for the foreseeable future. So a nice win there. You mentioned Brad Gushu. They were in action out in Halifax, their second event 
playing in Halifax this year. Same as last time that Jeff Walker was unable to participate because of the Atlantic bubble. They pulled another junior player on. They win that event, prompting a hilarious tweet by Jeff Walker um, <laughs> uh, that uh, if you haven't seen, uh, just wondering, uh, basically it's the baby wondering what's going to happen with daddy now that uh, he doesn't appear to be needed on on Team Gushu was basically the point of the tweet. Um, so so a lot of uh, a fun coming out of that. But those are two events that Gushu has played in so far that you would expect him to win. Some teams in there that are pretty good. Uh, Greg Smith, for instance, made the, the trip over to Halifax for that. But those are events that if Brad Gushu did not win, that would be more of a story than him winning. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking at who else was in the field. Uh, I see James Gratton there, Stuart Thompson. Uh, I'm sure there's other names that I'm forgetting, but uh, yeah, that's obviously Brad Gushu is the class of probably any field that he plays in. So uh, you, you would expect him to be the class of this field as well. Yeah. And the other big news on the elite level curling circuit came out of Okotoks, Alberta, where I watched the first end of Rachel Holman against Jennifer Jones. Rachel Holman scored four. I turned it off because I had to go curling to go curling myself to actually play. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just because the score was four nothing, but I actually had to go out. And then by the time I got off the ice, that event had been canceled in its entirety because of new regulations put in place in Alberta as the spread of COVID-19 continues out west. So that event shut down after that initial draw. Yeah, and this event, Sean, this was sort of like the ladies' equivalent of the men's event in Penticton, sort of the the first sort of big, most of the good teams are there, uh, women's event in Canada this yes. year. So everybody got one game in, but uh, that was it. Yeah, so it's sad to see. Uh, I wanted to watch that Holman-Jones game, and I don't know, I was doing doing something else, I think, and... I missed it, but yeah, it's uh, it's too bad. But hope everybody you know stays safe. Yeah, and if you want to go back, it, it is available on YouTube. Some f bombs in the first end nice. that uh, came across. Uh, some apologies from the commentator for it, which is kind of funny. Uh, but you can uh, check it out. The other, I don't know if it matters. I don't think it really matters that much. But Carrie Anderson beat Kelsey Rock in the game that they got in, and a blowout ten to two. Laura Walker in the field. She won her game. Casey Scheidegger, that team is there. Corinne Brown is there. So, you know, a really good field. Unfortunate that that game or that event could not move forward. But as you said, safety first there and sort of just following the provincial guidelines. So we'll see what is the next step for some of these events that are scheduled out west. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I I was sort of out of touch news-wise last week. I didn't feel like following COVID news while I was, while I was away, I wanted a real, real break. So I came back and, uh, I guess, I guess everything has kind of hit the fan. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's shift our attention to the recreational level. We talked last week about my initial participation in curling for the season. My first night I played, as I mentioned, Thursday night, after I watched the first end of the Home and Jones game, went and played, and it was a men's league. 
so all I could think of, Scott, there's a, a billboard that is designed or intended to get men to go to the doctor for early screenings of things, because men are, of course, very reluctant to do this. So there's a, a billboard, a somewhat famous billboard that says, this year, thousands of men will die from stubbornness. And there's a great photo of one of these particular billboards. Somebody has climbed up on it and spray painted, no, we won't, <laughs> which is just a perfect encapsulation of how I think a lot of men feel. And I think I'm guilty of this at times myself in terms of not going to the doctor for things. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think you but, are. I make up for it. Sure. But go ahead. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You take up my quota of the uh, Ontario <laughs> health system. <laughs> um, but this, that's all I could think of when I was playing Thursday in the men's league that no one, no one, less than half the people were wearing masks. The dots on the ice were completely decorative. Nobody was following them. The, the, the distancing on sweeping wasn't really being taken seriously. I was really uncomfortable throughout the whole night playing mm -hmm. that game. And it was compounded by the fact that I was playing against a team that is so slow. It's the slowest team that I've ever played against who came up to us before the game saying, hey, let's break the rule about when we go on the ice because we only have a limited amount of time on the ice and we want to play as much as we can. And my thought was, after restraining myself from like strangling this guy, was saying, the reason you don't play a lot of ends is because you're the slowest person I've ever met mm -hmm. on a curling sheet. So, you know, it was just compounded by that. And I, I don't know, like for me, it was so uncomfortable to play in that environment. The Ottawa Curling Club did send out an email this week trying to get people to follow the rules more closely, which was the case on Monday when I went and played. We'll see what happens Thursday. There has been an acknowledgement from the club, unsurprising yeah. to me, that the men's league is the most problematic league. And I would suggest that or theorize that that is the case at facilities across the country, that men's leagues are going to have the toughest time getting people to buy in to the rules and the regulations that are put in place. No, we won't. <laughs> No, we won't. I, you know, for that billboard, I always envision it too. You know that episode of The Simpsons where he's doing the rum running during yeah. Prohibition in Springfield, and the the guy standing up there is like, "I'll catch you, beer baron," and you just hear Homer <laughs> from somewhere. You just hear him go, "No, you won't." Like that. That's the voice that I think of when I when I hear when I see that billboard. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I think you're, I think you're right there with, uh, the men's leagues are going to be the most problematic. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it's the way it is. I think by education, you know, we can do it maybe, maybe by shaming people. I think public shaming is going to be necessary. Uh, it's not easy to do and it's not fun to be the guy who's shaming somebody else, but it might be the only way. Maybe. I, I think our team, so so our team talked about it. I think we're going to play tomorrow night. And if it's the same, I think we're going to walk and oh, just yeah. not play. Yeah. And certainly, and certainly I'm, I'm at the point with, with the men's league that if it's the same, even if my team doesn't walk, I think I would walk because yeah. again, we, we've talked about it before that for me, it's, it's an issue of what, what risk is worth it mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I don't think that men's league, 
where mitigation efforts are not really being taken seriously, then the risk isn't worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm, uh, I'm joining that league, Sean, uh, as you know, I haven't played yeah. yet because I've been away and tomorrow I will also be not able to play. So, uh, <laughs> I, I will take your, your guidance on, on what will happen uh, the next week. Yeah. So, we'll see. Ho- hopefully, we'll see. hopefully it gets better. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, but we did get some news uh, from other facilities across the country, and the ones I've paid attention to paid attention to have been primarily in Ontario. We've had a bunch of clubs announce that their plans to open in January have changed, and they are not going to open this year. This, of course, includes the Great Fergus Curling Club, which had planned to or announced that it had hoped to open in January. They will not open in January. Uh, a bunch of other clubs in southern and southwestern Ontario have followed suit, primarily citing the financial constraints and the concerns of putting in the ice. Yeah, so a lot of clubs have uh, announced their closing. And I, I was reading on Twitter, Curling Geek, you know, sort of echoing the sentiments he had on on our show that those that are planning to open in January seem more and more unlikely to do so uh, in in the new year. Uh, Things are not improving. Things are, in fact, getting worse. Uh, You and I, Sean, are not, are likely not seeing our parents at Christmas time. But I feel like a lot of people will. Uh, There will be gatherings and, you know, two weeks down the road from that, we'll get another spike. So, yeah, we, there was a, an article today that some of the, the people who model this, uh, the, the stuff sort of the, the, the virologist and epidemiologist, one mm-hmm. of the things that the, the, this article was talking about was that in the modeling for COVID-19, at least the ones that uh, the Ontario provincial government was using is that they didn't take into account COVID fatigue, that they, the models assume that the rules that are put in place will be followed right. and or at least by a certain percentage of the population, they're obviously not going to get a hundred percent compliance. And yet the models are, have been off a little bit now because of the COVID fatigue that, that we've seen. And certainly we saw it around Thanksgiving in this part of the country in Ottawa uh, for sure. And we'll see what happens as we come up to, to Christmas as well. As you mentioned, I think the plan, <laughs> the plan will be for us not to see our, our parents, which got prompted me to, uh, I've been creating a, a, a menu, which is more of like a smorgasbord of Ooh. like, cause uh, Christmas Eve, I think is a Wednesday. So I would have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off. I'm putting together something that is either going to kill me or is going to be awesome <laughs> in terms of the amount of food that I'm thinking. Um, but but it will be interesting to see sort of how that it, or if there is a reaction from from other people, and if if there's just a sense of well we're not going to do people say well we're not doing a big family thing, we're just going to see you know my parents, my wife's parents, and my cousins or something right, but we're going to see them separately, yeah. and therefore we're not having a big family event. Like I think that'll be the case, and people will talk themselves into we're following the rules when they're not actually following the rules. So that, yeah. you know, we'll, and then the offshoot for curling, of course, is if more places have to go into red, then you can't 
you you cannot curl in the red zone in no. Ontario. So and elsewhere, there's similar rules in place with different colors or levels or whatever they're calling it. But we've seen curling shut down in parts of Manitoba. Obviously, we saw it in Alberta and Okotoks this weekend. Parts of Ontario you can't play. Parts of Quebec, certainly across the river from us, they're not allowed to play. Mm-hmm. The only part of the shutdowns at all, other than voluntary club closures, has been the East Coast in the Atlantic bubble. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, things are not looking that great for us. And uh, it's it's really just hard to be optimistic right now. I, I want to, but I, I feel... <laughs> Like I went away for the two weeks of curling season, and by the time I'm ready to play next week, we'll be uh, we'll be done. Well, we'll see. I mean, the the nation's capital here has been okay on numbers for the past few days, so you know may, maybe we'll we'll escape what what's been going on elsewhere in the country, but or in the province. But who knows? But Scott, I want to broaden this out a little bit now that we have a little more clarity on certainly on what curling is going to look like, where. Obviously, nobody in the country is playing a normal season. Even if you're playing with your normal schedule, there are mitigation efforts in place. There are safety protocols that you have to follow. Some people will not get the opportunity to play at all this year. We talked last week about what Curling Canada could potentially do and whether or not provincial championships will be possible. Scott, if we broaden this out and take a, a, you know, a macro look at what this season is is doing, do you think, or maybe not even do you think, what long-term impact do you think there will be from this season for the sport as a whole, both at the rec level and at that elite level, given that we're having, at best, an incomplete season across the country? It's it's really hard to, to, to say at all levels, but like, so let's start, with recreational level curling, I think the the ramifications of canceling the season combined with already decreasing numbers of players across the country, it, it really doesn't bode well. A lot of people will find something else to do. Uh, I think snowshoes are sold out almost everywhere. Uh, so you you worry that, oh, I took a year off curling, and that turns into five years, ten years, forever. Yep. And and because of that, the the sort of curling culture in Canada that we've talked so much about that maybe needs to change, but it needs to be healthy too. And maybe it doesn't get there. Um, right. One upshoot to fewer members might be more availability, more space. Uh, to reach out to the, those communities that historically haven't been uh, members of the curling community. Uh, it's something that we've talked about and and will continue to talk about on this show. Uh, so maybe you can get your grassroots program going. Maybe it causes Curling Canada to really look in the mirror and think about what's actually important. Um, it, so from the rec side, I think like, there's a lot of bad things that could happen, but maybe some silver linings at, at the competitive level. It's, I mean, it's sort of the same for everybody around the world, right? Uh, the competitive season of playing against the best of the best. I don't 
think anybody's going to have it. So from that standpoint, I don't see too much being affected competition wise uh, until, you know, we, we get together and see what the players can do uh, hopefully next year, uh, whenever. Yeah. Um, but, but like, I don't think it's going to really hurt the quality of play between the teams because I don't think anyone's more advantaged than the other. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I, I do think that the teams that are together have an advantage or physically, geographically together do have an advantage right now. And as we go through a season, particularly the teams that have changed things up, and there was more movement this summer than I thought there would be. Mm-hmm. And the teams that are around each other and have the opportunity to, if not play, practice together, that could be an advantage as we move in to next season if there's a lack of games to be available after the new year. So uh, there could be some ramifications for that, particularly next year you're looking at. I know people still will want to win a national championship and a world championship, but next year is a short season. Mm-hmm. It's it's until December. And then the teams that are moving on are happy and the other teams are like, well, okay, I guess we'll go try and win a national championship, like whatever. Um, and, and that's around the, that's around the world too. Uh, for, for, you know, teams, most countries are going to have their Olympic qualification events in the fall. So short season, quick turnaround from the, interesting just to see what happens coming off a season where you know i think last year teams were playing 90 games this year you're not getting anywhere close to that so does that have an effect as we enter into the fall yeah i I think that all assumes that you know timelines for the olympics will remain in in place at the same same fixed time as they are now and uh national olympic selection processes as well uh, will yes be the same as as they have been in the past i could see you know some countries just naming a team uh, i could see canada reducing the number of teams in the field it's right. uh, it's all sort of on the table right now so maybe there's an advantage to teams that are practicing together but a lot of these teams at, at the highest level they, they're used to practicing alone they know what they have to do uh, maybe a new team, like maybe a Matt Dunstone integrating Kirk Myers, might be be something that's a. But problem. they're playing I, together. But they're but they're around each other. They're they're yeah. playing together. Yeah, that's true. And I think they know each other too from uh, from past uh, curling experiences. So yeah, I, I'm trying to think of anybody at the very top. I'm just, well. I'm thinking. I'm thinking back to that first year when it was Cooey Lang, Hubert, and Kennedy. Mm-hmm. It didn't go well. It did not work the way they had it set up. And they had that year, that first year of the cycle to realize that it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So now you're in a case where if anybody who did make a significant change, you don't have this year to figure out that it's not going to work. Right. Right. So, that's that's true. I'm trying to think of who the, like maybe Team Homan, maybe Kui. But I think once, if you've already got, some components of a team and you add one person it might be a little bit easier um yeah and there hasn't been as much shifting of positions this year but there has been some so a little bit yeah yeah so we'll yeah we'll see what happens at the elite level i think scott for the recreational level i i really think this is going to be 
for as much as they don't want it to be their responsibility, this curling Canada is going to have to do something to support clubs, to support facilities, to get people back into these buildings, assuming that the news about vaccines is accurate and that all the studies have been done thoroughly and that the safety measures are in place, that, that, that they're ensured to be safe. And if we assume a rollout through the spring into the summer, maybe we can get a, a typical fall season. It's going to be really important on, for Curling Canada to support facilities, to advertise, to have membership drives, to do whatever they can. I know that they like to fall on this position of clubs are independent businesses, which sure they are. I get it but you are the governing body for the sport. And if the sport contracts at the local level in this country, that is not only bad for you as the national governing body, it's bad for the World Curling Federation because this country drives a lot of the curling attention and curling revenue around the world. So mm. I'm, I'm really concerned about what Curling Canada is going to do through the spring and the summer to ensure that and it's not it's not like the place it's not like where we play at the the club where we play at an old urban club that is full normally it's almost full even in the midst of all this a club like that will be fine at least you know short term 5 to 10 years so you don't need to pay a lot of attention to that it's the smaller clubs less populated areas that are already seeing contraction that People are not going to in the same numbers that in some cases don't have draws on some nights or have half full draws. Those are the places that are going to need some attention to get people back into the building. Because what we've seen with curling is that the fandom of the sport comes from participating. And if you get people into the building, get them playing, get them involved in the sport, then they're going to become fans. Getting them to watch on TV doesn't correlate to getting people into the building in the same way with the same percentage. And having these national championships and focusing on the elite teams, I get it. Part of what they get money for is winning gold medals. But if that is their exclusive focus is on the elite level and winning gold medals and they completely neglect the local grassroots level of the sport, there's going to be not as many people who are competing for those gold medals and that money is going to dry up too. So mm -hmm. I, I really fear that curling Canada is not going to pay enough attention to the grassroots by saying these are independent businesses and we're going to see the further contraction of local curling facilities through this season as people, as you said, shift their attention elsewhere. There's going to have to be some big national effort and I really think it has to be spearheaded by Curling Canada to get people back in the building next fall on the assumption that it's safe. No question about it. Well said. And I think anybody that's concerned about their club, uh, make a point to write to Curling Canada. Uh, don't, don't wait for your club's board members or president or employees to, to do that work for you. If you're, if you're concerned about it, make your voice heard. And let Curling Canada know that the sport could be in trouble if we let a lot of these places fall by the wayside. 
Yeah, uh, definitely. And especially for the the young people too, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, kids take a year off and they don't come back uh, or they might not come back. You know, yeah. I remember for, for me, and I know it's anecdotal and it's, it's just a personal experience. I remember when I was in middle school, there was a work to rule for a year, right? The teachers did work to rule. Mm-hmm. So there was no extracurricular activities. And before this, I had done all sorts of them, right? I did track and cross country and basketball. And like, I did a bunch of those. And then there was a year without them and work to rule. And I didn't really do any after that because yeah. I felt, well, okay. Like part of it was, well, okay, the teachers don't really care, uh, which I know isn't true, but that's how it felt when I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And I just found other things to do. So I never went back and, and, yeah. You know, I, I fear that that could be the case and it's going to take a, a, a lot of work from a lot of people. And uh, I think Curling Canada is going to have to be the center of that. Well said. All right. So let's talk about the other big news of the week. Scott, it's your birthday. Hey, yeah. Yeah. My birthday is uh, tomorrow. So yeah. Yeah, it should be fun. Um, planning a little little birthday getaway. There you go. So, uh, You're just away. What do you mean? You're just... I'm gonna go seclude myself in in the mountains somewhere. Oh, uh, we, we, really we don't have we don't we don't have mountains here. No, the, there's mountains in Quebec, right? They're not real hills. mountains, but they're <laughs> they're hills. Yeah, hills. Okay. Yeah, so uh, uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. That's yeah. That's so I, yeah so I got you a gift, and oh. I, I I was going to give it to you on Monday, but uh, it when I gave your keys back, but it was just it was it all happened so fast. It did happen uh, fast. Yeah. So uh, so I it's a curling themed gift, Scott, Ooh. that I I got for you, and I I after I got it, I wondered if maybe it was something you already had. So I will reveal on the show what I got for you. I got you a framed patent of a curling stone and a framed patent of a curling broom. Oh, sweet. That's cool. And I wasn't sure if you had either of those things. No, I don't. I don't. But I think that'd be a perfect addition to uh, maybe my curling wall. Right. Do Do you have a patent of something? Or am I thinking of somebody else? I know somebody who has a patent framed on their wall. No, I don't think I do. I've seen, okay. you know, I've thought about buying t-shirts maybe with a patent on it or maybe a print like that. But uh, no, that's that's really awesome. Thanks, man. No problem. So I, I'll tweet out pictures of these if you if you want to see them. Uh, the curling stone one's pretty cool. And the curling broom one is for the old corn broom. Oh. Yeah. Perfect. And so the patent explains how you would sweep with a corn broom too. It's pretty cool. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so I got those for you. I will uh, drop them off at an appropriate time. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. And well, cause I did think that when I saw them, that it could be a fun thing for that curling ball that you have with uh, yeah. stuff from the 2010 Olympics. You have a picture of with Emma Miskew and uh, what else is on that wall? No, that's it. It's my, uh, <laughs> my prize. <laughs> the two things. The, well, the photo of Emma Miskew and I, there's signed photos of both the men's and women's 2010 Olympic teams that I bought while I was there in Vancouver. Yeah. As well as a, a poster, the, the curling poster from that uh, Olympiad as well with the right. 
logo and all that. So right. how oh, would I... you describe Emma Miskew's face in the photo? Like what is the expression that she has in the photo with you? I'd say she seems very warm. <laughs> um, a polite smile. My face. Yeah, that's is, a, that's a nice face. way of putting it. A polite smile. Um, I think my it's more of a look of like, excited. why, why is this guy standing next to me? Oh no. Oh no. Not in like a, a threatening way, but in a like what is happening way. Like she just got like, like the, to me in my head, when I looked at the picture, the, the lead up to this was hammer, can we get a picture? Click. And she doesn't have time to react. Oh yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. No, it was, uh, it, it was more drawn out than that, but I was, I was very nervous. Oh, so she's bored. Oh, that's, that's the thing. She's bored. <laughs> that's, that's the look on her face. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I've, I've shown it to people who are like, cause I, I had it on my dating profile, Sean. Uh, yeah, that's what real, everybody, that's what everybody wants. As we get dating profile. I, well, I think it's cool. And I was told, but everyone has to know who have, Emma Miskew is. Yeah. Maybe you don't have a photo of yourself with another woman. And I was like, yeah. what? Anyway, uh, even if it's like your sister, you wouldn't want a picture with another woman because the people who are looking at the picture don't know who that is. Well, she's wearing her her like curling jacket. Scotty's written on it. Yeah, you could be dating a curler. That's not impossible. <laughs> I mean, it's impossible if you for you to be dating that curler. <laughs> yes. Anyway, it's uh. It's one of my favorite photos. I have an expression of like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are very excited in that photo. You're, yeah. You can tell that it is a highlight of your life. <laughs> that to moment. that point, to that yes. point, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, well, enjoy the, the day tomorrow, Scott. Uh, have a good time. Uh, a COVID birthday ain't nothing like it. Ain't nothing like it. You have experience already, so. Yeah. Uh, I was think. able to go outside, though. Yeah, yeah, you were. And uh, it's supposed to be, uh, it's, it's chilly here now, so you might not have uh, the same amount of time outside that I had. Uh, oh, that's that. okay. I'm not, I'm more of an indoor kid anyway. All right, All right. well, enjoy the getaway. Uh, stay safe. Glad to have you back, even though it doesn't really matter in terms of how much I see you. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. the same thing, uh, whether you're here on the other side of the country. But glad you had a good trip. Glad, glad you had safe uh, times, and I'm glad to this point at least, there has not been a story on the national with your photo front and center as the super spreader in in in, Van, in uh, Vancouver Island. Exactly. Yes. I I don't know if I said last week, but I got a COVID test while I was yes. there. Negative all the way. That's good. So uh, so there you have it. That will do it for this week. Thank you everybody for listening. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show wherever it is you get your podcast on Apple or Google. Give us the likes, the ratings, all that stuff. Helps us beat the algorithm. Helps other people find us. You can also follow along with everything going on on social media. We are at Game of Stones Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. And of course, we have the Game of Stones Facebook page where you can find all the past videos of the Monday broom stacking that we've been doing with the guys from Rocks Across the Pond. We think we're going to pause that because we're playing on Mondays now. And uh, the schedule gets a little tough. So we're going to pause that until we get shut down, at least in Ontario or in, in Eastern Ontario, which may be next week. So right, right. Uh, so follow along. We'll, we'll post updates on when we'll do them. And I think uh, even on a couple of the late games, I think we should do another strategy one because that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. 
Yeah. So, uh, so follow along and follow those guys too, uh, at curling podcast and they'll have updates for those things. So follow along all that fun stuff. If you want to let us know what you want to hear on the show, game of stones podcast at gmail.com. And of course, head on over to game of stones pod.com. As I mentioned earlier, if you go into the merch section, we have the t-shirts available. I am currently wearing the red design, which I go back and forth between the red and the gray as to which one I like the most. Scott, have you decided which one you like the most? Well, I don't have a gray one. So, okay. I like the red one the most, but uh, I'm wearing my Southern California curling center t-shirt right now. Oh yeah. They have good shirts too. I like those ones. Yeah. 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 Check out uh, curling.la. Yeah, definitely check that out. And uh, if you want, if you buy one of ours, proceeds, all of them are going to Food Banks Canada, and we are matching those contributions. So double donation plus a T-shirt. So uh, definitely head on over to GameOfStonesPod.com. Check it out, plus all the past episodes. So, mm-hmm. Scott, Sean, I think that's it. I think that is indeed it. We'll be back with you next week, but until then. Keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.